We hope you found value in part one of this podcast. Thank you for joining us for this second segment. Hello, and welcome to the Communication Solution Podcast with Casey Jackson and John Gilbert. I'm your host, Danielle Canton. Here at the Institute for Individual and Organizational Change, otherwise known as IFIOC, we love to talk about communication, we love to talk about solutions, and we love to talk about providing measurable results for individuals, organizations, and the communities they serve. Welcome to the communication solution that will change your world. Oh, I love that. I love that you're a mix of all of it. And it is, I I laugh sometimes because there's a couple of phrases I keep reminding myself of feels, feels ain't real. (laughs) (laughs) Feels aren't real. And so I just remind myself of that. And then I also love that. Okay, cool. Danielle, this is awesome. That sucked. And uh, you've got 10 minutes to have like a full on pity party and like putting it in a container of time or something. I'm so glad I'm not the only person that does that. I literally am like, okay, timer set. Okay. Yes. And we're done. Like, let's move forward. That reminds me of a one-liner at a conference I heard. Uh, there was this activity we did and the, the facilitator said, we're going to allow you to whine, but we don't allow you to marinate in it. Um, so yes. <laughs> I, lo- I just love that. That it's like, yeah, you can, you can get it out and then you're done. Like there's no marination. So I just thought that's that same construct about, yeah, acknowledge it. It's real. Um, Now let's start getting, you know, where do you want to go from here? Kind of a thing. But, and and I I think this is the thing I want to just wrap into it in terms of, I want to continue to not minimize people's experiences because the link that I continue to make to the brain science side of it is when there is so much stress and pressure and, and trauma, neurochemically it is so hard to get up into the executive functioning so it's not just like do 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 oh yeah that happened to you but you know get back on your horse it's not minimizing on that level the level of mindset it takes but i i also think it's how we know that restorative process reparative process herbs it her or uh heals is repetition 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 so when every day you're just trying to go but how do I get my behavior in line with my values? But how do I get my behavior in line with my values? But how do I get my behavior in line with my values? You're developing a new neural network that when stress and trauma comes, you've got a freeway to hop on to get out of you know the rubble. Um, and so I by no stretch want to minimize stress and trauma and pressure that people experience. But part of this process, and when you think of MI for sustained long-term behavior change, is you've got to develop a different neural network, a different pathway in your brain that how do I get out of the rubble when rubble happens? Um, and it, and just because that exists doesn't make it simple. It doesn't make it less painful. It doesn't mean there's not legitimate resistance and sustained trauma there. But if you're trying to move forward in your life, if you don't have a free way to get onto, that really makes it extremely complex. So. You know, that's interesting because I like that you brought it back to the science of it. I'm always fascinated by you know, what I've learned from you and, you know, so many of us are in a trauma state in general, yes. the entire world from a worldwide pandemic still. Yes. And yes. and then we all have all of our individual traumas and some people measure those, right? Like, well, that's not, yes. that wasn't that big of a deal. It could be my pen broke. It, it could be so many different things. And of course it could be yes. really, really huge things. And so the fact that motivational interviewing addresses that and helps people in a state, brain science state, right? And of trauma yes. to, to let them 
choose that other path, but it's repetition that's going to help. Um, you know, I, to turn the, the light I need on. To, yeah, I think the other thing I need to acknowledge, and then Ali, I know you'll have a ton of thoughts about any of this stuff, um, is I I think the biggest thing I need to acknowledge right now is just how lucky I am with the power and privilege that I have as a white male. Um, because when I step back and look at the trauma, I just really, I continue to have this need inside my brain to continue to acknowledge, to not minimize other people's experiences. And I'm in a place of power and privilege, which has allowed me to stay more in my executive functioning and not from a cultural perspective where I've been abused or marginalized for so many, you know, since birth, that it is much easier for me. So I think it's, it's, it could be trite for me to say it really is that simple. Um, structurally it is simple, but actualizing that is extremely complex. And so I need to get out of a, a, a privileged white male perspective and also be able to go, yeah, it, you're right. You have been able to have these things, but you also were ahead of the line gender wise, you're ahead of the line race wise, you're ahead of the line so many other ways that of course it was easier for you to do that. Um, even though I've experienced all my own trauma um, in my life it's it's just completely different when you put it into cultural context and, and we'll look at it from a power and privilege perspective as well. So, which I'm sure Ali, you have a hundred thoughts on. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about you know, since the training with you, I, there've been two huge kind of buckets, different buckets that I've been thinking about. And one of them I keep going over is like, okay, for the general population, for people who don't have an MI background, um, how, how do we get these simple yet very complex things delivered to them without saying, Hey, can you go see Casey and John? You know, like I, like I can't take all my friends and all the people I know who are experiencing ambivalence and funnel them to someone who does MI. And so I, I was just thinking about like, how do we deliver these concepts on a broader scale? Um, is there a way to do that? You know, uh, but I went back to kids. So, I, you know, I'm a mom, I have two kids and I've really attached onto like Dan Siegel stuff, whole brain child stuff to try to, like you said, deepen those neural pathways. Like I may not be able to, all the people that come to me in their life with ambivalence, be able to direct them where they need to go and give them the quick rundown of values and all of that stuff. Um, but what I can do as a parent is I can start to help my kids spend less time downstairs and yes. really grow that pathway upstairs so yes. that when they do have issues that are huge downstairs brain issues, they are like, hey, look at that stairway. I can go upstairs and solve from there. And so I was thinking about the broader population. And like you said, just the amount of stress and trauma across cultures, um, across our general population over the last yes. three years. Yes. They've spent so much time downstairs. What's something we could give to people to help them strengthen that executive functioning, that neuroscience piece that's attached to motivational interviewing? Because um, again, it's very real. It's the science piece of yes. it. They, yes. It's so, so real. Um, and there's a way out. This Danielle, what she's talking about with upstairs, downstairs with the whole brain is that downstairs is when I'm talking about fight, flight, freeze and make my little fist, you know, that reptilian brain, the limbic brain, you know, that just brain that's been around for 500 million years, that part of the brain. And then we just got our 3 million year old brain. That's the, the thinking cortex part of our brain. We just think of the strength of that and stress and trauma. And so that's when Ali's, it, I, the 
the way that Siegel simplified it was just upstairs brain, downstairs brain. Um, so that's what Ali's talking about with that. Awesome. So, yeah. I just keep thinking about how do you, how do you get, and again, I know you can use motivational interviewing to help people. And if every person that stopped by my door or called me after work, during work, I, I mean, I would have no gas in my tank, right? Like I right. can't, I, I couldn't manage it all. But what, how do we help people see this piece of it? and kind of open their eyes and maybe we can't, right? Like, um, but I wish this would elaborate and I know it can be used by all other kinds of practitioners. And I think there's, there's certain circles of the health and wellness space who are really, you know, have adopted motivational interviewing, have even um, brought this focus piece in stuff like that. But how could we get this across different, I don't know different providers for all sorts yeah. of different issues so that people feel like they have more good days than bad. They are able to solve issues on their own. They're using, you know, they're, they're calming that primal functioning with that executive functioning. Yes. Um, that's just what I keep going back to is like, I wish there's a book, a yeah. single <laughs> book that someone could read and just move through, you know, cause sometimes I, I'll have friends that are like, Hey, I'm kind of struggling with this. I, I know that you have followed a nutrition plan for years. How can you, can you help? And I basically just give them like, okay, let me tell you about motivational interviewing. I have five minutes, but you got to find some focus. That's your problem. <laughs> you know? It's like, that's not helpful. That's not accurate empathy, but I'm, I don't have time to help you find your focus today. <laughs> like, no. Um, but I, I just sometimes when people are having ambivalence or issues, I'm like, you should look at focus and motivation interviewing and go find your stuff. Yeah. Find someone who can help you find your stuff, you know? So that's what I kind of just keep coming back to. It's interesting because um, one of the newest things since Daniel's, you know, been on the team, just even recently, she's really been focused on us doing this thing called Be the Change. So now I'm going to do my first training for people on how do I apply it in my own personal life. Um, and so it's kind of that range of, yeah, the concepts are there, but, and again, you know, at IFOC, we train so many different organizations. It's just mind blowing to me, just even this last week's trainings, I'm just still kind of teetering from. And because the diversity at which you can help people heal, like you were saying, Ali, it doesn't really matter the profession because we're dealing with humans in most industries every day. And motivation is a method of communication that helps heal. It helps people move towards who they want to be. It helps resolve their stress and ambivalence so they can get clarity and, and improve the quality of their life if that's what they choose to do. <clears throat> so, so there's the thought of how do I orchestrate the conversation? But even this, this week in training, almost every week in training, people, especially new trainings, people will come up to me and say, hey, how do you use this on yourself? Can you use MI on yourself? Can you MI yourself? Um, and it's like the, the constructs, yes. I mean, of, of course there's going to be all the people in the MI world that say, well, you can't MI yourself, but I live by the tenets of motivational interviewing every single day for myself. And it's drastically improved the quality of my life, you know? And that's, so it's like, yes, we may not be able to put quotes around MIing ourselves, but can we get clear about what our values and goals are? Can we acknowledge where the stuckness is? Can we acknowledge where the resistance is? And then make a concerted effort to go, 
And with all of my capacity that I have, I'm going to try to focus on the change and the commitment and move steps forward towards who do I want to be? Who do I want to be in my life? And so it's more like, who do I want to be than where do I want to be? And the clearer about who I want to be helps me understand where do I want to be? You know, should I stay in this relationship? Is this the career that I really want? Who do I want to be? And I think when you start to focus on that, it starts to untangle our American culture perspective is that our job defines us or the number of kids that we have or our gender defines us or these things that we, everything tries to define us. And the people that inspire us the most are the people that get, are very clear about who they are and stay who they are in spite of all circumstances. Those are the people that tend to inspire us. And, and I think that's where you can see all these different constructs kind of coalesce uh, into a process. And for me, it's why motivational is so, it, it really gives me a scaffolding to understand all these different theories and self-helps and, and therapeutic approaches and, and how we live life. There's just, for me, it just, it really does start to set up a structure or organizes things in my brain in a very clear and concise way that consistently works. And it's backed by, you know, massive data. And as soon as you look at the ways of introducing MI in different constructs, you've got all these other theories that are out there that actually support each other. You know, I, I was just telling, um, so just, oh, I was telling, uh, talking to somebody yesterday that I used to, to work with, Jose uh, Guadarrama, who's uh, on faculty at Pepperdine right now. He and I were talking on my drive home yesterday too. And I've really been into this thing about we need to be so aware of cultural differences, of gender differences, of bias, all these different things. We have to be aware of it. And inside that vessel is a human brain. <laughs> so it's a, it's a human brain. So we need to be aware of the vessel, but the human brain, we know how language impacts the human brain. And, and language is language. So it's not just mainstream American English. We just know how language impacts the brain and with neurolinguistics and, and things, which neurolinguistics is not motivational interviewing. But when you just look at some of these theories, it's like, well, they're just, some of these things are just reset in different ways because there's all these inspirations from different people around the world. But when you get back to it, it's just the human brain. <laughs> and you're talking about communication and how does communication impact the human brain? How does my own bias impact how I communicate? How does my own bias impact how I listen? Because there's different listening styles. You know, that listening styles is not part of motivational interviewing. But when you're thinking about communication, how could it not be part of communication, like an effective communication method? So the complexity of all these different things still can boil down to, is my behavior in align with my values? <laughs> so so it, it just, that's where it can get so complex and just almost impossible to get your hands around and then also be able to be consolidated into, when I feel heard and understood, I can breathe a little bit better. When I can breathe a little bit better, I can look at what my dilemma is. When I look at my dilemma, I can, I can get clear what my values are. And when I get clear what my values are, I can ask myself, what would it take for you to take one step in that direction? And that that's going from kind of the, you know, meta to the micro. Um, it's just, and that's, that's, that's my obsession with motivation. Wow. <laughs> I've got, I've got a couple thoughts, Allie, and I'd love to hear your feedback on, I feel like you just covered a lot, Casey. <laughs> there's, there's a couple things that stood out to me. One is, 
um, how you are so into learning everything about the brain and all of the other different theories and modalities, which makes sense to me because I've heard so many people that you've trained say that you're different. You're just, you're different in terms of training, motivational interviewing. And it feels like you pull in some other things that kind of refine, refine it or make it, make it yours in a way. Um, you mentioned you created Focus Mountain, which is huge. I've, everybody I interact with brings that up, um, your teachings around that. But you mentioned too, and there's other things like Simon Sinek's Golden Circle, his why, yes. and I'm like, I'm really familiar with that. And I'm like, what you do is different. And it kind of came out for me in, in everything you just said in Be the Change. And I'm like, it's yes. beingness. It's who yes. you are. Yes. It's not where you want to be. It's a piece of the equation, but the crux of everything is who do you want to be at the end of yes. the day? It's just so cool. So I'm super extra excited about the Be the Change now. <laughs> it's just everything you say, but. You know, it, it, it's interesting to you. It, it's interesting when you say that, Danielle, because I, what I've tried to do, and John and I have had these conversations multiple times, is one of the hardest things for us in doing curriculum is to try to maintain access to a naive brain. Because every time we evolve our curriculum, I actually had this conversation with uh, Allie and her team when I was doing the train the trainer for them, in terms of the more they learn, the more they want to teach. Um, but the, what you want to teach is so far beyond what a naive brain that's never experienced MI is. And, and so there was a period in time where we just had to pump the brakes at IFIOC because we, we had drifted so far from our original trainings and people liked the trainings, but they weren't getting some of the foundational things. And then again, going back down to the, the minutiae, when I was talking to, to Jose about this, because um, he, he's teaching counseling theory at Pepperdine and is weaving some MI stuff. And so he and I are, he and I are having this conversation and he, he wanted some, uh, some tips on this. And, he's, and I was saying, you know, here's the ways I'm teaching empathy. And he said, Casey, they can't do a reflective statement. I will teach them and tell them how to do a reflective statement, students at Pepperdine, and they will still ask questions. And like, and so it helps me to hear when we're talking these lofty geek motivation constructs, that it really is hard for people in our culture, especially, and he said it's, it's worse with the social media culture, is they don't understand what empathy is. Like they can't they can reflect how they feel about a situation, but it's so self-centered. And I think it's partly from the COVID. I think it's partly from the immersion in social media that they can only talk about their own brains. They have a hard time going into what could possibly be going on in somebody else's brain. It's all projection. There's no true accurate empathy. And it was just like, that is fascinating. And it makes sense when you step back for a minute, you know, when kids had, hadn't been going to school and were going online like they didn't have that and everything's on the phone, you know, it's just, wow, I'd never even thought that they don't have the, because they're not, their friend didn't wipe out on a bike and they run over to help them up and, you know, and run and get the parent, you know, it's, they don't do that as much anymore. You know, and that's just the way we were raised was that's where empathy comes from. But if you're not having human interaction and your, your friend's not wiping out on a bike or, you know, it's just, it's, it's, somebody breaks up with somebody and there's just revenge. There's not empathy. It's just, it's just fascinating. Is that, are you retooling the way you look at teaching empathy because of this? What I told him is I said, what really helped me is it helps my brain go back to naive brain. And I said that the difference between what he's teaching and I'm teaching is he's teaching 
new clinicians that are young college students. And he's just saying the generation, generational difference. And I said, and I'm drifting away from teaching quote unquote, reflective listening and open-ended questions because people have been in the field for 20 years, just want to stick their finger down their throat. If I start to teach about the oars, because they're like, I learned this in grad school. Um, you know, and they think that's MI and they try to reduce it to that. And then I spend more time trying to untangle that construct when I'd rather teach them about what is high accurate empathy. And, and if you're doing high accurate empathy, there'll be reflective listening in there. Um, but what, the is, what is ORS, Casey? The open-ended questions, affirmations, reflections, and summary statements. I mean, that's <laughs> the fact that you've known me this long and don't know those. I can probably <laughs> I'll get kicked out of Mint actually. If anybody from Mint is listening to this, they'll kick me out. The fact that you've been here, I, I don't actually, know you, you, you're forgetting, Casey, that I, I'm doing. I listen as a listener. So I I'm know. Like, Who's listening that doesn't know what ORS is? <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah. So the. Open-ended questions, affirmations, reflections, summary statements are 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 uh, micro skills. Uh, they're just skills that every practitioner should have, needs to have if they're gonna if they're gonna work in human service at all. They're skills that everybody should have, and they are the basics of motivational learning. It's just literally MI one hundred and one is people need to walk away knowing what the OR skills are. Um, but since I teach so many professionals that have been in the fields for years, it, it can feel condescending in some ways um, or redundant, or I literally can see their brains shut off and, and reach for their phone to do something else while I would teach ORS. And I just think that's not a good use of time. But it's, if I launch out of the gate talking high accurate empathy and then start to show them videos and have them try to practice, they realize they're not as skilled at that as they think they are. And as they get more skilled at understanding empathy, then they get better at reflective listening. Um, so it's just it's just different ways of training, just different ways of teaching the same constructs. And it's all motivational interviewing from that lens. So, And I think one of the things, and I know we talked with you about this, Casey, that, that we're running into with this accurate empathy piece too, and just you know the last however many years, is people are so concerned that you know, if somebody's talking talking about a topic or an issue that maybe they don't align with, or in society is seen as you know something they shouldn't align with, if I give a reflection, they're going to think I'm in agreement with them, and and we go with this a lot, and and so then to like kind of tie to what we were talking about earlier, but if you have really strong values and a really strong identity, then you know where you are. Yes. Right. So it's you know, there, there have been times where I think of reflections I've given and someone's like, oh, you totally get, get it. Right. And it's like, well, actually it has nothing to do with me. I don't agree with you. I don't totally get it, but I'm so clear on my identity and my values in that it doesn't matter. Like I don't lose sleep over it. I don't sit in my car and go, God, I hope they don't think that I agree with them. I hope I don't think one minute about it because I know yeah. where I'm at and I right. know who I am. And so I, that's something that keeps coming up with our newer, greener people we train is this idea of like, okay, accurate empathy is cool and all. And I don't want those words coming out of my mouth because they may think, so again, emotionally driven, yes. they may think I'm A, B, C, and D or that I agree with this. And so that's been a really interesting thing to navigate training, you know, newer people as well is people are very, very cautious about, 
um, what's coming out of their mouth and the perception of the person across from them. Which is interesting because it, I, I can go empathetic with that. And what I think of is why, if you're getting to a better outcome, why do you care if they think you agree with them or don't agree with them? Because that, oh, they agree with me is a blip on the radar of an MI potential conversation. And what it is, is it's so focused on the individual, they're not really focused on you. So why are you focusing on you? Um, because it really is. So if in that moment, Danielle thinks I agree with her and she continues to talk about her life and for that split second, she thinks, oh, we're on the same page and she keeps talking about her life and I stay focused on motivation and keep her brain focused and help her get her behavior in line with her values. Where, where was that blip on the radar? What, what impact did that really have on, do you think mm -hmm. she's going to go home and go, oh, Casey agrees with me. Casey agrees with me. She doesn't care. No, she's not going to think about you at all. She's, she's not going to think about, about me at all. She has her own life and people tend yeah. to be more self-centered. So wh why they're, we're egocentric enough to think, oh my gosh, if they think I agree with them, that's going to over influence their life. And I think, well, then you're not an equipoise and you're too involved in their life. So it's, it is fascinating, but again, it's, I do have that empathy for more of a naive brain that it's just like when your brain has not experienced it consistently, it is hard to make it second nature. And when it, when you do it consistently, it becomes second nature, you think, boy, that was a lot of wasted energy, which goes back to the original thing we talked about at the start of the podcast of it is amazing how much time we put into things that aren't going to yield a positive outcome. It's putting your foot yeah. in, the right place, in the right direction will get you one step closer. And even if you are climbing up the mountain and you take a step, it doesn't mean you don't take a step forward towards the top of the mountain and your foot ends up in some brambles or you twist your ankle. I mean, just because you're moving forward does not mean that there's not stuff that happens. Um, so it's that same thing that it's not this, once you're there, it's this perfect path. You're still walking up the mountain, but you can get, you know, trip and fall and break your leg and, you know, and, and fall forward and break your leg. Um, life still happens. It doesn't make it perfect because we, you know, you operate from this mindset. And you're still walking. Like and you're that's still the piece I come back to is, and you're still moving, like forward. you're doing actionable things moving forward instead of staying stuck in this weird momentum in your brain. Love it. Allie, thanks so much for, this is just, this was just, uh, this is what I love about what I do. I, <laughs> I never know what's going to go. I, I it, my brain is working a million miles an hour, which is always fascinating when I do that on a Friday that it's like, I wish this was a Monday because <laughs> I'm so lit up right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's great. Oh God, I could absolutely. talk for hours. Well, you know that, but. <laughs> awesome. Thank Danielle, you. any thoughts as we're up? No, up? I just, I want to thank you both so much. It's so great to listen to the deeper conversations and then also your, both of your abilities to um, kind of come back and, and go back to the, the starting point for someone, someone new like me and and for awesome. our listeners too so all of the listeners out there thank you so much for joining us uh ali gibson you are awesome thank you casey as always and uh, tune in you guys share your thoughts with us you can email casey at ifioc.com let us know what you're thinking any ideas for topics and guests um and keep tuning in thank you so much uh we'll see you guys next time excellent thank you Thank you for listening to the Communication Solution Podcast with Casey Jackson and John Gilbert. As always, this podcast is about empowering you on your journey to change the world. So if you have questions, suggestions, or ideas, send them our way 
at Casey at IFIOC.com. That's C-A-S-E-Y at IFIOC.com. For more information or to schedule a training, visit IFIOC.com. Until our next communication solution podcast, keep changing the world.